What does Kyler Murray's contract extension mean for his dynasty value? All of that and more on today's Locked On Dynasty Football Podcast. You are Locked On Dynasty Football, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Here are your hosts, Marcus Mosher and Kate Madjuke. Welcome into the Locked On Dynasty Football Podcast, everybody. This is Kate Madjuke. You could follow me on Twitter at FFBallBlast. And I'm not joined by Marcus. Uh, as you might have guessed, again, Marcus is on vacation. So that means we have to break down all of our training camp battles alone. But we're never truly alone as long as we have the ones we love. So I'm going to welcome in my wife, Michelle Majuk, NFL researcher with NFL Network. Michelle, thanks for coming to join us today to talk about some tight end camp battles. Yes, I will say tight ends are not as fun as wide receivers. No. So if you missed our wide receiver episode that we last recorded, I feel like you know, wide receivers are just so much more fun to chat about. It's my favorite position They're in relevant. fantasy football. I feel like it's one of the easier ones to predict. Tight ends, though, oh my goodness. Could it be any harder besides the top guys? And then it becomes like, ugh. When you have a, a tight end on your dynasty team who finishes as a top five producer, you just scream Yahtzee. No, really top three. Top three. Uh, yeah, you scream Yahtzee <laughs> and you're just, you're like happy to be alive at that point. But no, we're going to be breaking down tight ends. If you miss any of our other episodes, uh, Matt and Ryan, they broke down quarterbacks and running backs. Michelle and I broke down wide receivers. And now we have tight ends coming up. So be sure, uh, follow the show. Don't miss out. Follow us on YouTube, wherever you listen to your fantasy football podcast so we can help you build the ultimate dynasty roster. Michelle, we open up the show to discuss a very exciting contract extension. We have Cardinals or quarterback Kyler Murray finally signed to a monster extension that makes him one of the NFL's most highly paid players, let alone quarterbacks. Got a five-year, $230.5 million extension with $160 million guaranteed. All of this comes like as as all of us were kind of concerned. Uh, would Kyler Murray hold out? Because it did feel like things were getting very tense in that building, especially after you get... Uh, Steve Keim, a an extension. You've got Cliff Kingsbury, an extension. And Kyler Murray was waiting to be paid. He finally was just, he's an absolute baller. He's going to average $46.1 million per year. Um, and he's just, he's a stud. So does this do anything to impact his dynasty value? Um, I, I don't know. I, I guess it's nice to know he has a position where he's comfortable in the team that he's staying with. But either way, Kyler Murray, when he's on the field, is a fantastic fantasy quarterback. Even last year, a lot of people were disappointed after his fire start. He did so well, and then he kind of fell apart. He still averaged the fourth most fantasy points per game among quarterbacks last season. He still averaged more fantasy points per game than Patrick Mahomes. Uh, last year, he had a better completion percentage, passing yards per game, or passing yards per attempt, and passer rating than both Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. So you're talking about a guy who had a kind of eh, meh second half of the season, yet still did better than Allen and Mahomes in terms of uh, passing stats and still scored more fantasy points per game than Patrick Mahomes last year. So Kyler Murray should be easily a top four quarterback in terms of dynasty quarterbacks for sure. Easily. And I mean, again, just going back to what he accomplished, like 
he was injured last season. So if you guys don't remember back in week eight against the Packers, uh, suffered an ankle injury, missed a little bit of time, then ended up uh, injuring his shoulder to close out the season, was just kind of a, a hellabaloo of a, a mess. It wasn't a great uh, end of the season. But prior to that, he had just one of his seven active games where he didn't finish with at least 20 fantasy points, had two games where he finished as a QB2 the rest of those games, that five out of those seven games before he was injured, finished as a QB1. The upside is so high. Now they add in Marquise Brown. Obviously, you've got the looming DeAndre Hopkins suspension, but I do think overall, like we kind of know what to expect from this offense. They've done a really good job of building around him with the wide receiver core, with the addition of Zach Hertz, who I think is like one of the most underrated trades of the 2021 season. Um, it doesn't really change anything, though, because Kyler Murray, he's still going to be a top four quarterback. Who would you draft ahead of Kyler Murray in a dynasty startup right now? Oh, that's a good question. So Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. That's, hot take. Yeah, hot take. I don't know if anybody else. Lamar Jackson would be kind of close, but I like Kyler Murray's um, playmakers a lot better. I mean, the I one, guess that could change next year. But I'd say the, the oh Justin Herbert. I'm taking Justin Herbert. But that yes. might be it. I think it goes. Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, and Kyler Murray. And honestly, if you want to put them in any order you want, that's fine with me. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. And uh, in the most recent Dynasty batch of ADP, like Lamar Jackson floats into that top five. But I feel like that's sort of what you see. You see Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes sort of in their own tier. Um, then you see the, the Herbert, Murray, and... Lamar Jackson tier. I'm not sure for those of you who know about the Scott Fishbowl big tournament with 3,000 people playing. It's a big fantasy league. Of course, that's redraft, so different than uh, Dynasty. But I did choose Kyler Murray over Justin Herbert in that league. I think Kyler Murray has such a high ceiling that his biggest issue is he has to stay healthy. And now there's been two years in a row where he's had trouble doing that. And he kind of falls apart at the end of the he's year. He's a little guy. Yeah, he's a little guy. Cause so you might get injured. I think my issue is he needs to just take fewer hits. Um, but you know, like it seems like Lamar Jackson is so much better at avoiding those big hits and getting down when he needs to. Hopefully Murray can learn that, but uh, Kyler Murray is going to be a top three scorer probably if he stays healthy pretty easily. And he's still so young and yeah, without DeAndre Hopkins for the first six weeks, that stinks because his stats do go down without him. But I think with Hollywood Brown coming in now, it, it's going to be okay. I expect a massive year out of Hollywood Brown. I really do. I think they're going to be really great together with how good of a passer Kyler Murray is deep and how fast and good of a receiver Hollywood Brown is deep. I think great connection. I love that. We're going to get into our training camp battles to watch in the 2022 offseason ahead of your uh, full on dynasty season. But before we do that, I want to talk to you guys about Built Bar. You guys know Built Bar from the people who invented healthy and tasty. Now comes the latest gift to your taste buds. You've probably tried the amazing coconut brownie chunk Built Bar, but now we have a new gift from our friends at Built. They have given us the coconut brownie chunk puffs treatment. That's right. The coconut brownie chunk Built Bar flavor that you love in a deliciously chewy marshmallow covered in 100% real chocolate. They join the list of some of my other favorite Puffs bars, like the S'mores, the Churro. Love me some of that cinnamon sugary goodness. But 
I get it without the guilt. Each of those bars has no fewer than 15 grams of protein, no more than nine grams of sugar. And the best part, if you can't decide on just one, you can get a mixed box, get the Puffs mixed box, build your own so you can snag all of your favorite flavors. Satisfy your sweet tooth without the guilt by heading over to built.com with a special offer just for our listeners to save. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off your order. That's built.com, promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off. Michelle, let's break down some of the most interesting tight end battles to watch this year. But interestingly, the most interesting tight end battle might not be a tight end battle at all. Can you break down what we should be watching as we enter training camp for the Las Vegas Raiders? Because they've had one of the biggest shakeups of all this season, adding in Devontae Adams. What does this mean for Darren Waller? Can he be a top three or four dynasty tight end? Yeah, so we're cheating here with this first tight end battle. But I still think it's a battle in the preseason to see which of these guys becomes the number two target. Because I I do think out of Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro, one of them are going to disappoint. Uh, Devontae Adams should easily be the guy there and he's going to get a lot of targets and I don't think there's enough to go around for both Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro to then also make you happy Um, last year there was nobody there is no team that had three players of 18 plus team target percent which if we're talking about just 18 percent of the team's targets let's say the Raiders throw 600 times 18% would be just over 100 targets. So you're going to need these guys to have over 18% target percent. When Darren Waller's going off, he had like 27% of the team targets. So I'm putting a really low bar here. And yet still, no team had three guys at 18 plus team target percent. Um, And only a handful of teams had even two guys. So it'll be impressive enough just for the Raiders to have two of these guys. But we have to pick one then. It's between Darren Waller or Hunter Runfro. Only one of them are going to perform and be good for fantasy. But Michelle, what if it's both and we just see a split target share for both of these guys? Well, then both of them won't be good for fantasy. Yeah, that's going to suck. Yeah. So that's my point. I I worry that neither of these guys will be relevant for fantasy because I do think there's a very real possibility that we see the split right down the middle. Looking back to the 2021 season, obviously we finally got a taste of what Hunter Renfro was with and without Darren Waller, which like kind of surprised me, the splits with and without uh, in games without Darren Waller. Hunter Renfro averaged just around 16.5 PPR points per game, eight catches, 66 yards per game without him, 0.5 receiving touchdowns. Actually didn't didn't fare that differently in games where he played with Darren Waller. I think this was a true Hunter Renfro breakout. Averaged 5.5 catches uh, for 55 receiving yards. Yeah, but yards. how many of these games did Darren Waller play, but not really, right? He and was there been, so he was much injured. of the season where he was injured. So I'm not – you know what's more important to me? Going back to 2020. I mean, Hunter, that was Hunter Renfro's third year. 2020 when it was just Darren Waller and he was healthy – Darren Waller demanded 27% of the team's target share. Nelson Aguilar, 15.7, and then Hunter Renfro was at 14.7. 
that's a massive difference. And then Hunter Renfro in his rookie season, of course, it's a rookie, but still Darren Waller at 24%, Hunter Renfro at 14%. I think Renfro goes right back down to I his think- 14, 15%. Darren Waller still gets around 20%. And then obviously Adams will be the star of the show. But I'm okay with Darren Waller getting, uh, like, maybe you need him closer to 22%, but I I think that can still happen. It can be kind of like a, I don't know, a Mark Andrews, Marquise Hollywood Brown thing, but obviously Devontae Adams will do way more than Hollywood did with his targets. Yeah, I just, I again, I still wonder um, what (sighs) – with the draft capital that you invest in Darren Waller right now, being drafted as the tight end five uh, on DynastyLeagueFootball.com, that's ahead of guys like TJ Hawkinson, Dalton Schultz, Dallas Goddard. Yeah, I think that's completely fair. I think that's fair for immediate production. Yeah. But, Michelle, we just talked about the fact that, um, you know, immediate production, you, you need to consider immediate production and long-term uh, when you're evaluating players for dynasty fantasy football. So maybe TJ Hawkinson should go ahead of him. But with Dalton Schultz, it's the same thing. It's like if he performs great this year because he didn't get the long-term contract, he probably leaves Dallas. Someone probably pays him. And then he probably does the uh, Austin Hooper thing where he just – I once think- you leave the offense that was so great for you, it's like, eh, well – Again, okay, we are going back into a completely different discussion because I do think once we get a, uh, a, you know, Darren or Austin Hooper into an offense where the targets are a little bit more concentrated because they did have a big, uh, nice chunk of tight ends that they could disperse targets to. Once Austin Hooper kind of becomes the primary receiving tight end for this team, I do think he's going to get back to the target share. And I think he's going to be fine. So the thing with Darren Waller, because we're going to ignore Austin Hooper, because he does not matter. I know you love him. He does not matter. I can't wait for him to break out (laughs) all over your face. He does not matter. But in 2019 and 2020, Darren Waller had nearly identical receiving yards, 1,145 to 1,196. But in 2019, he only had 117 targets. In 2020, he had 145. So 30 more targets turned into only 50 more receiving yards on the season. But the thing is, his efficiency went down and his catch percentage went down. His efficiency should go back up. Devontae Adams is going to take so much of the defense's attention that there's no reason for his yards per attempt or yards per reception not to increase, his reception percentage not to increase. His yards per reception, though, they really haven't varied that significantly. No, 12.7 to 11.2 is a pretty big decrease. It's a pretty big decrease, but it's not – like Juju Smith-Schuster, we were looking at like 12 yards per reception versus like eight over the last two seasons. Like this is not as significant a drop-off. So are you saying that? I think you can have a 2019 season where he gets 117 targets or maybe a little bit fewer where you don't need him to get the like 145 targets. He's not going to get close to with Devontae Adams. But I don't think he needs to is my point. He can get a, a little bit over 100 He's going to be really efficient, I believe. With that, you need him to score touchdowns, which we'll see if they all go. Like they can't all go to Adams, you would think. No, but he's, he's also going to throw at least twenty-five. Um, so if ten of those goes to Adams, there's still touchdowns to go around. I don't. I, I'm still happy to to draft Darren Waller and redraft, obviously. And I'm still like, if people are this scared of him in Dynasty, I'm happy to go trade for him. I don't really think people are that scared. This is me just being a butthead probably i just 
I worry. I worry about the target share, and I do think the efficiency is bound to go up just based on the pure situation. But I just wonder if that is enough to make up for Because I don't think that you can just put Hunter Renfro back in the bottle. Like, watching Hunter Renfro on tape, it, he showed excellent skills as a route runner. I do think he showed lots of chemistry with Derek Carr. You I don't think you many, You need too many receptions in too many plays in a in a drive Carr, to matter when you they're using Hunter Renfro way too much in the second half of the season. And it wasn't very good for the offense. This is what I mean, Derek Carr to start the season, everyone was like, oh my God, is he an MVP candidate? Like, but that's when he had other weapons. And then when he only had Hunter Renfro, it got a bit ugly. They still made the playoffs, but it, like I, I think he utilized him because they had nobody else. And I do think Renfro's good at separating. Don't get me wrong. He's good at that little one route that he likes to do that everyone's obsessed with. But <laughs> I I think he goes back down to 14, 15% target share, and you're just he's not gonna matter all that much. Should we get into our next battle? I think so. All right, for our next battle, I think we should actually talk about two tight ends. I don't know. That's kind of getting spicy with this here. But let's talk about two tight ends here. And I, I do want to talk about the Los Angeles Chargers and their tight ends because Jared Cook has played a, a pretty big role for this team over the last couple of seasons. And, it, you know, you can't ignore the fact that he's not there anymore. Now you have, obviously, Mike Williams, who's, going to take up a nice chunk of the targets. You have Keenan Allen, who's a target machine. But Michelle, like Jared Cook, we cannot understate the fact that he had 83 targets in 2021. Like when did he have 80, 83 targets? I don't know. I have no idea. He didn't do anything with them. Uh, the team saw a 20.8% target share to the tight end position last year. And now they have Gerald Everett and Donald Parham, who is young. He's a second year tight end. He's six foot eight. I literally can't even imagine what that looks like standing next to me. Like I have to imagine that I would go up to Mr. Parham's Parham, uh, his elbow, maybe if on a good day yeah, with my platform shoes on, uh, Gerald Everett, he's 28 years old, but uh, like, let's not forget. We saw him play alongside Tyler Higby in that Rams offense. And he did have some of a fantasy impact. So who are you buying into for the 2021 or 2022 season? Yeah. I don't know if I'm like dying for either one, but definitely if I'm picking. Could either of them be a value? Gerald Everett, I think. Like Donald Parham, no. I don't I don't want any part of Donald Parham. Oh. No. Yeah, I get he's only played for two seasons, but he's been so irrelevant. Like the team hasn't even tried to get him involved, and they chose to go with a 35-year-old Jared Cook over getting their second-year tight end involved that people think have potential. And then this offseason, if they thought that Parham had any potential, then why then go get Gerald Everett? I don't know. It seems like a lot to do if you think you have a young, good tight end on your roster. Um, so I, I think this is Gerald Everett's job to lose, and I don't think he's going to lose it. Um, he's been solid enough. He hasn't really played on teams that utilize a tight end position all that much. We saw Gerald Everett leaves the Rams and Tyler Higby still not very relevant. Um, they just don't, Sean McVay doesn't utilize the tight end position enough for fantasy relevance. And then same thing with Russell Wilson with C with the Seahawks um, that he finally got away from the Rams last year. And we we're excited. He put up 478 yards, four touchdowns. Fine. Doesn't really help you for fantasy. But also, Russell Wilson has never really 
use a tight end position that much either besides Jimmy Graham in the red zone and a couple good seasons out of him. Jimmy Graham's a Hall of Fame tight end. It's a little bit different. Did you know he used to play basketball? Yeah. yeah. Basketball? Yeah. Basketball. But I, I do think he Gerald Everett will at least put up 564 yards, which Jared Cook did last year. Again, he was 35 years old. I think he will see around 85 to 90 targets, and he's going to have some good games. It's going to come down to touchdowns, and I, hopefully Justin Herbert can find him in the end zone a bunch. But just like so many tight ends that you're drafting late, we're trading for on the cheap touchdown or bust. I think like four to six touchdowns for Gerald Everett feels about right. I feel like he will get um, mate, like up to a hundred targets at the very best, but in games where he saw five or more targets over the last like six years has averaged right around 10 PPR points per game. Not too shabby. Um, I, I think he's a viable asset in the right. Like, I, I just think all of these things together, I don't think you necessarily want to go out and aggressively target either of these guys. Donald Parham, let's also remember that at the end of last year, suffered a like terrifying, absolutely yeah. terrifying concussion, uh, like lost all movement uh, on the on the field. It was the scariest thing I think I've ever seen. Um, and he was debating, like he just got cleared, I think a couple of months ago, um, he was debating coming back, which like, how could you not you. on the field? That's unfortunately really, I, I just, maybe I'm projecting. Cause I know if I went back on the field after that happening to me, it would mess with me a bit. I'd be a little bit more timid when I am when a defender is closing up on me. I'm not, I don't know how a human being, maybe this is just football players can go back knowing what happened to them. And he literally like went into the fetal position and was sh like, that's so scary. That was, and was I can't imagine scene. going through that experience. And then maybe over the next few years, he'll get over it. Right. But I can't imagine the first few games on that field. is going to feel very comfortable for him. But uh, even besides that, if that never happened to him, I'm still going Gerald Everett. He just has, he's way more experience. Um, I don't know why a clear starter to me. Like, I don't, I don't really know if this is a training camp battle. Well, shoot. This is the training camp battle episode, <laughs> well, I guess Michelle. It, but people really like Donald Parham. And there's actually been, I, I tweeted there's about been Gerald hype. Everett. And people were like, well, what about Donald Parham? I'm like, what? I wouldn't even think about caring about him. Uh, and fantasy. No, as, as a person, of course. <laughs> I hope so, Michelle. Yeah. Um, I, Donald Parham uh, undrafted in the latest batch of Dynasty ADP. Gerald Everett um, still coming in as a value, though. I think it's tight end 21. Like, this isn't a guy that I think you're going for if you are in a complete rebuild. This is a guy that you go for if you are in need of some tight end depth in the immediate future. And I think he's a great asset. But like, I mean, I feel like I think of Gerald Everett as an old man, like an old man. He's only 28 years old. He's like literally just a couple of months older than Evan Ingram, uh, just a couple of months older than Hunter Henry. Like, I will say Austin Hooper is going at tight end 29 and I would rather take the shot on Austin Hooper getting back to his Atlanta days with the Titans who are in desperate need of some targets than go with Gerald Everett with the Chargers where they already have two top like really great wide receivers on the roster and, and a great receiving running back. Uh, so like at best, if everyone stays healthy, Everett could be the fourth target in the offense at best. And with Austin Hooper, he could, legit i mean there's a case you can make 
that he could be the first target in the offense. I don't think that. I think it's Robert Woods and then probably Burks, but he should be at least the third target in the offense. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, let's move on. All right, I want to get to one more tight end battle, but before we do, we're going to take a quick break. All right, welcome back in to the show, everybody. We are talking tight end battles to watch for your fantasy football leagues, for your dynasty fantasy football leagues. Michelle, there is one player that in 2021, I think you were higher on than anybody else in the fantasy football community, and now he's got some competition. Why don't you break down the charge or the Jacksonville Jaguars tight end landscape for us. Cause I can't tell if it's more or less exciting than the chargers. I think it's more. Cause I actually think one of these players is going to have really solid play for fantasy and they're really cheap. Um, and I, even though I loved one of these guys, I'm going to go with the other one. So you have both Evan Ingram and Dan Arnold there, right? Which Evan Ingram, they brought in in free agency and they signed him quickly and they gave him a nice, big one-year deal um, to prove himself. And then Dan Arnold was a guy that Irvin Meyer kind of traded for, or who knows? <laughs> who knows who had to say there, but um, they they traded for him in the middle of last season. And he actually was like the only guy it felt like Trevor Lawrence trusted and was targeting quite often when he was healthy and on the field. Uh, so Dan Arnold did this thing. And he's also an athletic dude, obviously not as athletic athletic as Evan Ingram. But when I'm talking about potential here to really break out and have a monster year and be really good in an offense, it's Evan Ingram. As much as I love Dan Arnold, which maybe if he's on your waivers, I'm picking him up. Um, but if I'm trading for a guy or drafting, it's Evan Ingram. And the reason why we're excited about a tight end with the Jaguars, it's because of Doug Peterson, the new head coach there. Doug Peterson, through four seasons, um, like as the four full seasons as a head coach for the Eagles, Zach Ertz was the tight end six, the tight end three, the tight end two, and the tight end four. He was the featured now, receiving option. Zach Ertz is a very good tight end. I'll give you that. Um, but just in general, Doug Peterson really loves to utilize his tight ends. This is from Mike Clay on Twitter. And each of his five seasons as a play caller with the Eagles, Doug Peterson's tight end units finished no lower than third in routes, third in targets, receptions, yards, and fantasy points. That's pretty incredible. Yeah. Eagles tight ends had a 32% target share during Doug Peterson's tenure with the Eagles. That was the far by far the highest in the NFL. Again, that's from Mike Clay. I'm reading his tweet just word for word there. But I think Evan Ingram's going to be utilized. And the thing is, he was utilized with the Giants. And he was like pretty much their leading receiver over the last few years. It's just the Giants offense was just so incredibly bad. And Daniel Jones is just really, really not very hey. good. And so, and there's no touchdowns to be had. I mean, there's no touchdowns to go around. Nobody scored touchdowns last year. So I, I think Evan Ingram in the right situation could actually be pretty good. He has the dropsies. He has his issues, but he's an athletic beast. Like, get them all in his hands. He can bring it to the house. He's And the other thing about Evan Mangrum is, like, yes, he's a receiving tight end, um, and that is his forte. Like, that is his strength in the in the game. It's not like you look at Evan Ingram uh, as, like, this proficient blocker. Like, no, you utilize Evan Ingram okay. as your tight end. If you want him to block, you're to, in trouble. Yeah, so, like, but that's the whole point is, it, like, maybe his blocking is not going to keep him – on the field for a hundred percent of snaps, but you know, if there's a tight end running routes, it's probably going to be 
Evan Ingram. I did want to point out how interesting this was. Both Dan Arnold and Evan Ingram had 408 receiving yards in 2021. That's very weird. The only two tight ends to just have 408 receiving yards. Darn or Dan, Dan Arnold did it on 19 fewer targets and 11 fewer. Targets. Dan Arnold's very good. And if he, he was more efficient, if anything happens with Evan Ingram and he gets injured, like Dan Arnold, I think will be really good in this offense as well. Maybe they split. That would be the worst. Like, right. Cause I am taking a chance on Evan Ingram at this point. So I'm hoping they don't split work because I, I don't expect both Dan Arnold and Evan Ingram to both go off. Uh, it's kind of like when Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard were with Doug Peterson. It's like, yeah, you utilize the tight end position so much, but Zach Ertz was really the only guy that mattered in Dallas Goddard. You saw flashes, but there's just not. You're yeah. never going to really when the, the Patriot seasons with Gronk and Hernandez is like the only time you're going to have two tight ends be great for fantasy and with on the same team. For sure. And I mean, the nice thing is to uh, like looking at the team and what you're projecting for this team moving forward, you are going to project them to be in a position where they do need to pass. So they are going to need um, probably both of these guys to step up in the receiving game. But it's not like they have a, a the Saxonville defense that they had of years late. Like they're not going to be in a position where I think they're going to be an overly efficient offense. So the volume should be there. And my but, favorite yes. part about this is, yeah, they signed Christian Kirk and they signed Zay Jones. They still don't really have a wide receiver one. And they definitely don't have two great wide receivers. And that's the, that's the kind of teams and offenses you're looking for when you're looking for a breakout tight end. You typically don't see tight ends break out when there's multiple good wide receivers on the team but when there's only one or when there's zero that's the perfect time that's when darren waller broke out because they needed him that's when mark andrews broke out because they need him and that's when george kittle broke out because they need him it's like this is those massive type ceilings and you're not gonna always find that in every offense like I, gerald Everett that we just talked about he doesn't have a ceiling right there's no ceiling for him you have keenan allen and mike williams in front of you and Austin Eckler, like there is no ceiling, but Evan Ingram could legit be the top target with the Jaguars. I would not be shocked if he got more targets than Christian Kirk. Okay, I think it's a good of, game plan. No, but he could get it. A couple of dynasty qu questions quickly before we close out. Evan Ingram mm -hmm. currently being drafted as tight end 20, Gerald Everett, tight end 21, just behind him. Are you rolling with Evan Ingram? A hundred percent. Okay, would you prefer Evan Ingram at the price of tight end 20 or Dan Arnold you could pick up off waivers? Hmm, do both. Why not have both? Okay, I like that. Yeah. I like that. I, guys, uh, send us your tight end questions. Let us know what you're thinking. Thank you for making Locked On Dynasty your first listen today. Now make your second listen to Locked On NFL Podcast. Our national NFL experts and insiders keep fans dialed in with the biggest stories and latest news from all around the league because an off season doesn't equal a break in the action. We'll see you guys next time.